Hello, I'm Giles Brandreth and I'm with my friend Susie Dent. And this week we are sitting in Susie's kitchen and we've had a little snack, well I say quite a big snack, of lovely food. Where is it from? It's Lebanese. Lebanese. Oh, it's wonderful. Mm. And here we are now with Something Rhymes with Purple, which is our weekly podcast all about the wonders of words and language. I believe that language is power. It's the most important thing in the world. A hug is very nice, but a kiss is just a kiss. Words can do amazing things. And I know nobody who does more amazing things than my friend Susie Dent. (laughs) I sit by the telephone at the moment, Susie, Mm -hmm. waiting for the call from Love Island to come. It has not come. What, What would you love to do on Love Island? I don't know. I got a call, though, this week from Channel 5 inviting me to take part in a programme next year they're planning called The Real Marigold B&B in Prestatin. Okay. <laughs> it's going to involve wow. me and other old codgers <laughs> going on a hiking and biking holiday to oh, North Wales. Oh, do you know what? I'd be there in a flash. Would you? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going. I'm, do I want to be seen on a mountaintop with Lionel Blair and Anne Whittacombe? They're the two they're pairing me up with. All right. Yeah, exactly. Move on. So the point is, I want to be on Love Island, but they're not having me. And I've worked out why, because I've started watching Love Island. It's not that I'm not buff. We know I am. Yeah. But the reason I think they're not having me is because of my vocabulary. I think I know too many words. It is what it is. It is what it is. And the girls and guys on Love Island, they look amazing, but their vocabulary is not as rich as yours is. Mm-hmm. The word they keep repeating is like. Every other word is like. They say like, I did this like, uh, I like her like, he likes me I like. Should we have a threesome like? Uh, actually, they don't actually say that. There was this You're hoping they did. No, no, I'm not hoping they do. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I, I, we don't actually see. I don't know if you've seen the programme. There is live intercourse, but we don't see it. It's under the duvet. It's a bizarre programme. <laughs> I have become hooked on it because you know I'm doing this celebrity goggle box. Yes. So of an evening, I go round to my friend Sheila Hancock. I, I suggested you that I'd like to do it with you. And they said, no, could do it with someone more your own age. Oh, ah, charming. <laughs> I said, how old do you think Trina Hancock is? And she said, what? Well, she says she's 86. And she is 86. She is exactly what an 86 would look like. She looks right fit. She's fantastic. Mm. Anyway, we sit there watching Love Island. We're, we're hooked on it. Uh, anyway, it's an extraordinary... Have you ever seen it? I have, uh, yes. I've kind of, I have to say, there's a good reason for watching it because of the language. You mentioned the language, but all sorts of new words coming in, like dusting, which is sex. Oh, um, a little light dusting. Dusting so, by the sea. What? Forgive me. A little light dusting means a little bit of sex. Yeah. Uh, muggy. If you're what, muggy, what you've been what? mugged off. Hold on, go on. Don't rush through these things. I'm writing them if down. You melt, you're a bit, you know, just a bit soppy and a bit nerdy enough. Oh, yes. One of them the other day. When she, this is a phrase that I had not heard before. Uh, he was getting a bit excited. I forget what his name was, Louis or something, doing the big doe eyes. And she was saying, oh, looking at you, there's a fanny flutter. I said, I thought, what? what? <laughs> and the trouble with doing a celebrity goggle box is you can't stop the thing. You can't put pause on because it just plays on. You know, you're watching yeah. the programme and they're live recording you. So I wanted to pause it so I could hear it again. Uh, and it was fanny flutter. Were you familiar with this? Expression? No, I'm going to see if it's in. I, I know I, I that. I doubt that it's got into the dictionary yet. It's well, a, you never know. There's a, some great words that could rival Love Island, Island any time, like 
dusting, so names for dusting over the centuries would be the services of Venus. Okay, so that's a bit of a euphemism, but a bit of Fandango de Pokum. I love that. <laughs> Fandango de Pokum. Yeah, I love that. As in having a poke. If anybody wants any romantic thing to suggest oh, to their partner. I'd be saying to you, fancy little light dusting. No, but I'm in the mood for that. some Fandango de Pokum. And I'm waiting for them to call their friends their bollocks, because bollocks used to mean companion for a while. It was a term of endearment. Oh, so, a pair of bollocks together. We're, we're so close. Yes, yes. I don't think Fanny Flutter has made it in yet. No, no Fanny Flutter. Well, Fanny Flutter may get into the dictionary. It may well. Um, I knew senses of Maltime. I, I was like trying it. to explain to Sheila Hancock what a Fanny... She, what's a Fanny Flutter? I said, it's. The, I think it's the female equivalent of a little tremor in the chinos. She said, <laughs> what's a little tremor in the she, chinos? Oh, uh, I think so, she was leading you on there. Do you think she was? I think she would I've know I've been waiting to be led on. I don't think she was leading me on at all. <laughs> Not at all. Anyway, there was one word in particular that people uh, really objected to, wasn't yes. there? It in was Love the, Island. I'll tell you what it was. It was the word like... Yeah. Uh, And it just is irritating. Of course, we all do it. I occasionally, when trying to think of what to say, begin a sentence with the word so. Mm. And a few weeks ago, whenever it was, there was the Tory leadership thing. One of the um, uh, debates, so-called, had Rory Stewart. Is there? It's not my stomach. I think that's the camel next door. No, (laughs) I think it's a drill. Oh, it's a drill. Yeah. We are in Susie's kitchen. And understandably, the, the neighbours are moving out <laughs> <laughs> and they're taking down their pictures at the moment. The point is, people do, and, and Ro- the, I try to tell you, Rory Stewart and this debate, he irritated some people because he began almost every answer with the word so. Yeah. And I think he was doing that to set up his argument and maybe to fill time. Mm-hmm. So. It's a, it's a self-assertion, I think, is is what it's been interpreted as. It's sort of, you know, you're setting out your stall and it's an affirmation of confidence and that kind of thing. And you know how much I love Americanisms and I'm always defending Americanisms, but this one is an annoying one. And it, we think it comes from Silicon Valley. Um, so it started off in the sort of, you know, amongst kind of computer geeks. I use geek in a positive way. And it, it was that sort of jargonistic. So I'm about to tell you whatever. But it, yeah, it is annoying. But the word like is a bit like the word well. Mm-hmm. People just use it. Well, I said to him, like, oh, well... You know. You know. Tony Blair's favourite, you know. And yeah. what, what is that? What is it called? Well, word? they're simply called interjections or fillers, really. And like is a really interesting one because... I'll tell you a little bit about the word, a potted history of the word like. Um, so it goes back to an Anglo-Saxon um, word, gallic, really. Um, my Anglo-Saxon pronunciation is not the best, but it's G-E-L-I-C. Excuse me, how does anybody know? <laughs> we haven't had Anglo-Saxons for a thousand years. Well, no, it should be better. G-E-L-I-C. Nobody knows how they pronounce the words. Well, no, I have some very good friends who know absolutely who might be listening. I'm so sorry they don't. The only way they could work out is if there is rhyming stuff. If mm. there are poems written in Anglo-Saxon, you might work out what the oh, rhymes are. Oh, no, there's an entire Anglo-Saxon dictionary which will give pronunciation. Yeah, yeah, Bosworth yeah. Uh, and Excuse me. All right. Nobody... Well, okay. I'm, I'm going to argue with this because people say this to me often. You're Anglo-Saxon. I, I say this because I have children who have Anglo-Saxon's names. Yes. Or one of them does anyway. Scythrid. Yes. People say it should be Sethrid. Well, maybe it should be. But unless you were around in Anglo-Saxon times, how do you know what the Anglo-Saxon pronunciation was? You can infer quite a lot of things from poems, etc. So, you know, if you're talking about rhymes, okay, granted, you can have different rhyming sounds, but I think we can make a pretty good stab at it, and I just didn't. Anyway, G-E-L-I-C, it meant with the body of. Um, So something that had the body of something or the, the sort of shape or material of something else was similar to it. And so that word came to mean 
the, you know, the modern sense of like. So all the adverbs that we have today, like manly, the L-Y started off as like. It's a shortening of like. So man-like, man -like. Uh, for example, dear-like meant dear-like. And sorry, lief-like was dear-like, as in cherished. And that became lovely. So so like became lee and accounts for all our adjectives. So that's that's the importance of like. That's in amazing. So it's lovely nice, originated in love-like, basically. Yes. And then as a filler, which is so annoying to so many people, and we haven't mentioned the primary school that banned it as a result of Love Island. They banned it as a filler because they really objected, objected to its kind of restrictive effect on their students' vocabulary. And so they sent it to something which sounded very draconian to me. They have a word jail and they stuck like on their list of banned words in the word jail where it suffers still, I imagine. Anyway, so you'd think it was really, really uh, modern, wouldn't you? Look in the Oxford English Dictionary. This is a major surprise to me. And you will find the first evidence in something like 1774. And the fact is we have been using fillers like these for a very, very long time. And why, why, and why do we use them as fillers? Why can't we speak without fillers? Well... It's a sort of conversational habit that actually has some purpose. And I may mention this before, but I found this completely fascinating. So it was a study that took two recordings of human voices in conversation and then relayed them to the same audience to see which one was understood most readily. And the one that had all the white noise completely stripped out, there were no ums, there were no ahs, there were no you knows, there were no likes, none of that was understood less easily than the one with all those natural pauses oh. and so we think that part of the function is that they allow the, the speaker to kind of absorb what's being said so they allow that that seconds appropriation it's like message. taking a moment's breath yeah yes i i get told off there's one person in particular who tweets me and writes irate letters to the countdown office saying that she counts the numbers of ums and ahs in my origins of words pieces sometimes it's terrible because the more you focus on it the the harder it gets. But I, if I really, really concentrate, I can just about miss the map. But Lucy, my eldest, um, when listening to one of these episodes, of episodes of Something Rhymes With Purple, said to me, Mum, you just say um and ah oh, all the time. So I'm being really careful today. Don't be too careful. My son, who is a barrister, but is also an authority on rhetoric, oh, yeah. which is the art of persuasion, using words to persuade, and used to be taught in our schools. Mm. In Shakespeare's day, they had lessons in rhetoric. Uh, indeed, if you want to discover more about the art of rhetoric, go to his website, www.artofrhetoric.com. He is an authority on this and he teaches it at, uh, for the RSC, the Royal Shakespeare Company, and drama schools like RADA. He, when we did a, a course together on which we taught about public speaking, he explained to me, which I hadn't really thought about before, that people when making a speech often get nervous yeah. and silence falls. Yeah. And begin umming and erring. Mm. And he explained to me that the reason we get nervous when silence falls, if you're making a speech, is you forget when you're having a conversation. If I pause, you usually pick it up. Mm. But if you're making a speech, there's no one to pick it up. They're yeah. listening. But you suddenly can hear the silence and you want to fill it. Yeah. And then you try to fill it with something. If you can't think of what to say, you then say, so, or well, or, or maybe even um, or uh. And he says, actually, relax, dad. You don't need to fill the air with sound all the time. Mm. People may understand better, Dad, if you just pause. Mm. Empty spaces, and I think it's important. We, we have it. And so fillers are there because there is a natural need for better communication 
for the occasional empty space. Yeah, I think that is right. I mean, again, what was the, the Love Island quote? It was something like oh, 76 uh, times in five minutes. Yes, is that a, right? a survey was done. This is, a, it's become sort of in the news this year. Well, last time there was an episode in the series Love Island where the word like was being used 76 times in under five minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is their their go-to word of choice. And it? we've had them throughout history. We've had in it... We've had Ain't It So, we've had lots and lots. I think it might be time for a break, but I've got another Love Island word for you when we come back. What I've got for you when you come back is my own word, jail. Inspired by the (laughs) school, which I thought was a good idea. I love this school. I think what they're trying to do is increase the vocabulary of their children. I have formed my own word, jail. I've been asking people to send me prisoners, and I have got for you words and phrases that in Britain so far people want to see in that word, jail, the key turned and then thrown away. I think I know one of them. I bet literally is in there. Time for a break. We'll be back. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girly? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, nothing. No tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. We've been talking about bevies, haven't we? We have, and I always used to think that a bevy was a drink. Exactly. A shortened version of the word beverage. Absolutely. Not in Love Island. Island, Tell more. Well, all we know is that it means hot. He's a bev, she's a bev. Hot. Bevy. Yes. Hot. Which also means cool. She's hot. Oh, she's cool. That's how slang works, isn't it? But um, Isn't it funny? You know, I, I, I overheard somebody the other day saying to some girl, meaning mean, it's a compliment. Oh, my God, you're one cool, sick, mean bitch. No. <laughs> I mean, frankly, that's supposed to be a compliment. Well, you're one cool, sick, mean bitch. I love being called sick. Do you? Yeah, I do. Really? Um, anyway, Bev, yes. We, we were just discussing this, actually, during the break, and we think this might be a deliberate self-promotion act on behalf of, who says it? <sighs> Let's not let's no, not let's point not fingers there. because litigation there. may follow. <laughs> we may just be a podcast. All we know is all I'm not in. sure that's going to. So, no, I quite I quite like. Oh, really? he's, he's Bev. I'd, I'd feel a bit hot. I feel cool. <laughs> hot and cool, all at once. Now, okay, look, give us your list. This is my idea. This is my purple word jail, and the idea okay. is that I have asked people for the turns of phrase and the words that they find irritating because they're so overused, yeah. or they're used in a way that makes them meaningless, like. <laughs> like, like, mm-hmm. but I'm good, really. Well, uh, it's not meaningless because what they're saying is I'm good instead of I'm well, but that's the kind of adverb loss rather than a filler, I would argue. Oh, yes, these aren't all fillers. Okay. This is word, I'm, I'm leading, I'm jumping off you mentioning Onto annoying jail. phrases. These are phrase, turns okay. of phrases that people find so annoying. Like, yeah. that's so random, is yeah. it really? Whatever. Whatever became a bit of a filler, didn't it, a year or two ago? Yeah. Whatever. Everything what was else? whatever. What I find have a nice day rather irritating. Do you? Yeah. Oh, and people now begin every email with, you know, I hope you had a great weekend. Just get to the matter in hand. We don't need all this because you, you don't actually hope I had a good weekend. These, these are not mine. These are other people's. Back in the day. Mm, end of the day. What's wrong with once or in the past, back in the day? Going forward, what's wrong with oh, I hate that. from now on or in the future? You do hate that. Tick all the boxes. Mm-hmm. 
must you? Hmm. I personally, I, uh, it's not. It's redundant, isn't it? it personally, is. isn't necessary. Totally. Speaking personally, how else are you going to speak unless yes. you're a ventriloquist? Yes. Uh, and even then, <laughs> it's only you speaking, isn't it? I have to say, do no, you? you don't. Gutted. Oh, I'm gutted. It's a horrid expression. I quite it? like it's quite visceral. That I quite like it. It is literally visceral, isn't it? Yes, I bet it's got. But it goes. I'm going to check that one. See how far it goes back. Now this is me, I suppose. I was sat. Oh uh, well, do you know what? It's a dialect use. It's been around for ages. My youngest says I was sat. Mm. We she, say she I says was the letter there. H as well. Oh no! I know. And she's your daughter. Is she really your daughter? <laughs> but um, I, I have to try really, really hard not to pick her up on these. But do you know what? Picking up is wrong anyway because in Victorian days. Kids were taught to say H rather than H because dropping your H's was was the kind of vulgar, uncouth thing. So we've come full circle on that. So who's to say we're right and they were wrong? Oh, you think anything goes, do you? Well, I'm a bit of a linguistic liberal. I think there's no problem with being a parent who occasionally picks up her daughter on some of her use of English, particularly if you are Susie If she's Dent. got the wrong word, ah. I, will, I will definitely correct on that. Good. But for saying H and I was sat... And you accept her saying I was stood... That's what she's grown. That's totally what she's kind of grown up with amongst her friends, and it's more common in Northern English than than sitting. And does she say absolutely instead of yes? No. What? And people are now talking about cooking down things or boiling off things. Oh, really? Yeah. What's wrong with cooking and boiling? Oh, also, but there are older people who make these do these things as well. I'm putting in the word jail, oftentimes. Oh, I've oftentimes yeah, that's, felt. That's people blame that with um, blame that on the Americans. Oh. And guess what? Yeah. It won't be. If it is, I will eat my dictionary. Now chiefly North American, but it started off in the 14th century in English, oftentimes. Well, that's poetic. Keep, oh, this keep calm and. Oh, yeah, you know, I didn't oh, like that either. It's, I think that's gone now. Though. It has gone, but it's still in... It's still on tea towels everywhere. It's no. still... Kickstart? What's wrong with start? Why do things have to have a kickstart? Because cray, it needs cray. more oomph. Cray, cray. We're talking about linguistic inflation, aren't we? Cray-cray is part of great reduplication that's been going on for centuries. So willy-nilly, shilly-shally, go back to the 11th century. Willy-nilly, will I, nil I, will I. So, you know, willy-nilly is I will do it, whatever happens. Um, I'll just, you don't need to comment on these. I'm just sharing with you words that some of our listeners would like to see in our word jail. Phrases. Blue sky thinking. Don't go there. Let's be absolutely clear. To be absolutely honest with you. <laughs> I don't believe you want to say that. Forward planning. Step up to the plate. Park up. Pre-planned. Push back. From the get-go. Outside or oh, outside of. Mm -hmm. That's incorrect, isn't it? Strictly speaking, it's unnecessary. Oh, but you And also, I prefer right from the gecko, which oh, is slipping me. into English. Right from the gecko. As opposed to right from the get-go. Yes. Eggcorn, that one. Mishearing. Oh. What about, are you all right there? When they mean, may I help you? Mm-hmm. You, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Are you telling me, Susie, that as far as you are concerned, anything goes? No, not at all. Because if you make enough slip-ups or do anything to the extreme, then your message is going to be completely lost. The impact of your message will be really tarnished. So, no, I'm not saying everything, anything goes. But more often than not, the things that we complain about, and I have my own bugbears as well, will have been alive and well in centuries past. And language just goes round and round and round. Where and round. are you on speci specialty as opposed to speciality? Yeah, that was British English in about the 15th century, not American. Okay, so you accept that? I do. Where are you on 
irregardless. Uh, again, I think actually that... No, I think that might be American, actually. And I think it's a confusion. I think people mean regardless, but perhaps confusing it with irrespective. Yes. It always started as American, always started as non-standard or humorous, and it slipped in as something else. People say specifically when they mean specifically. I don't like that either. I do that. Yes, I talk about that one a lot. People say um, partially. Acts of Parliament of Scotland, oh. they talk about specialties in the 14th century. Are you approving or disapproving of partially instead of partly? I think, you see, partially means taking sides as opposed to impartially. Oh, I see what you mean. partially, though, people say when they mean partly. Uh, First sense in the 14th century, really nerdy for this episode, aren't we? Uh, Relating to a part as opposed to the whole. Yeah. No, but you were saying that partial is not the same as partly. Well, I'm just reporting what the (laughs) listeners are saying. Okay, Um, my bad, my bad. That's one of the phrases. Uh, That's my bad, my mistake. Yeah. What have people been writing to us about? Let's leave my word jail, throw away the key, and tell us what our listeners have. Where do they get hold of us, by the way? Uh, they can get hold of us at purple at something else.com. So that's something without the G, purple at something else.com. We can't answer every question, it has to be said, but we will do our absolute best. Yeah. And what are you going to, what are you going to do your best with today? Well, I have a query from Pauline. Career, I think it is, C-R-E-E-R. Thanks, Pauline, for your question. Uh, she was actually a contestant on Countdown quite recently. And she wonders how the green room got its name. Ooh, this is a theatrical expression. It's a theatrical expression. You've been in lots of green rooms recently, touring theatres around have, the country. As and have you. mostly pretty tatty places, aren't they? They are. I, but that's that's right. I mean, most of the money is spent on front of house and that's, that's how it should be. But I've been in green rooms or dressing rooms where there has been a little chair in the corner and a lift. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. That literally is I it. usually tweet a photograph of my dressing room or green room to show the sadness of the reality of touring life, <laughs> particularly when I open the jar that's supposed to contain the tea bags and there isn't one. Do you know, I went to one the other day and the green room itself was fairly tashy, but there were three little bottles of champagne, some green and black chocolate. I know where you were. Where? You were at the stables in, well, am I right? Yes. The, the theatre that was owned, yes. was owned by Cleo Lane. Yes. Exactly. Have they funny. really look after you They there. really do. That's a, one of our favourite theatres near Maidenhead. Chocolate and, uh, yeah, yeah, lovely. That's why I, I, I go there for two nights. I love that space. I love the stage. And Cleo Lane, in her 90s now, still on song. Cleo Lane's in her 90s? In her 90s. No, wow. In her 90s. She's still got the amazing hair. Amazing hair, amazing voice, amazing presence. That's amazing. It was just amazing. But she runs this theatre. And um, where they look after you well. The green room is a proper green room there. Anyway, back anyway, to the green room. Tell us what is the origin of the um, room. Well, it's thought that um, that these kind of restrooms for the performers at theatres were meant as a relief for those who've that, that had kind of been exposed to the limelight of the theatre. And, of course, the limelight was real lime that was burnt in order to provide the illumination required to light up performers. As a rest from the limelight, I thought that green was the most restful colour on the eyes. And we think that's why it was um, coloured green. There is another theory, though, which is that it comes from the rhyming slang green gauge for stage. So it would be, I'll see you on the green. And you'll still hear actors say that to each other. People do say that, see you on the green. I see you on the stage. And so the green room is simply an extension of that, possibly. Somebody called Bernard Pearson uh, has, has reached out to me, it's another phrase that I find rather annoying, reached out, yeah. and come up with some extra suggestions for the word jail. And uh, I think he'd, I think he smashed it. It's another one. Anyway, these are, these are his. I'm loving it. 
McDonald's, they gave us that. Oh, did they? Well, they pretty much popularised that tense, yes. Challenging environment, you know. Mm, I'm uh, in one now. Win-win. Win-win. It's a win-win situation. Isn't that what horses do? Anyway, passionate about my job. I'm passionate about my job in stationery. I mean, come on. Why not? Yeah, I suppose so, but everyone's got to say it. Every interview you go to, you've got to say, I'm passionate about... I mean, it just doesn't ring true, does it? You're, you're all right. You're all right. What does that mean? You hear it all you're the time. You're all right. You? You're all right. He's a bit of all right. Oh, this is an interesting one. This is, this is Bernard Pearson speaking, not me. Death of democracy. He does not like that phrase. He says to me, it's an ideal, not your pet cat. <laughs> Death of democracy. Top priority. What's your bottom priority? Yeah, good one. And his worst one is, I'm cool about it. Hmm. He's hot under the collar. He's not cool about it at all. Don't mind, I'm cool. Okay, Susie, have you got a trio for us today? Mm -hmm. These are three words that we hope will extend your vocabulary. If you are at this um, primary school, and next time we meet, I hope I will have found out the name of the head teacher so I can salute him or her, Mm -hmm. despite what um, Susie may feel about the word jail. Mm-hmm. Um, we like to extend people's vocabulary. We do. We so what are the three so words these, you've got? These are words, most, most of them are from uh, centuries past that I think we should resurrect. Um, how about a sockdologer? Ooh, sockdologer. Sockdologer. That is the decisive winning point in an argument or debate. Boom! It's the sockdologer. Is that an American one? It is. It's a sockdologer. Um, and that might deliver a recum, recumbentibus. Recumbentibus. That's Recumbentibus. R E C U M B E N T I B U S. A knockout punch. Oh, a sockdology. Sockdologer. A sockdologer is a recumbentibus. These recumbentibus. are not, these not, are not tripping say, off are the they? tongue, are they? Okay. Um, no, they're not. Shall I give you something a little bit easier? Yeah, but those are two. Um, well, we can be talking about things that get on people's nerves, whether it's so at the beginning of a sentence or like. Um, so that might deliver a certain amount of twaziness. Twaziness, the state of being bad-tempered, peevish and snappy. What, what, what's the word? Twazzy. Twazzy. You mean I'm twazzy. twazzy. That's because you are tired, because you only had about three hours sleep. Yes. Okay, you only, but only a touch. It's uh, a bit twazzy. of a recurrent thing. But can I say, when you're a bit twazzy, you're extremely attractive, <laughs> or if I may be honest with you, Bevy. You're Bev. I'm a Bev. You're a Bev. And you're sick too. You're right. sick. You I tell me that. you like being called I sick. I do. I really like being called you sick. You like being called sick. Sick Bev. If you if you like our show and if you think Susie's Bev as I do, give us a review or rate us and help us spread the word. If you've got a question you'd like us to answer or you just want to get in touch, you can also email us at purple at something without a G else or one word dot com. And who, who helps us make this? This is a Something Else production um, produced by Paul Smith, wonderful Paul Smith, with um, additional help and production from Russell Finch, Lawrence Bassett, Steve Ackerman and... Gully! Gully. He's Bev.